Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths. On today's show, we are so excited to talk about intuition, the power of color, auras, and so much more with our guest, Dougal Fraser. Dougal is an internationally recognized psychic, author, and cosmic coach. He's been invited to speak at Own You, a live event series hosted by the Oprah Winfrey Network. He's been featured on Dr. Phil, The Real Housewives of Orange County, Dancing with the Stars, Good Day LA, so much more. He's a regular featured blogger for the Huffington Post, and he's the author of But You Knew That Already and Your Life in Color. He and his husband live in L.A., where he continues his work helping people to live their best lives. Dougal, we are such huge fans. Welcome to our show. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a sweet intro. I feel all nervous now. (laughs) (laughs) Can you start us off by um, telling us like how you got to be an intuitive? Because you have such a fascinating story where I think you were sent to therapy and... And then I think a session at Lilydale changed a lot for you. So could you share some of that with our listeners? Yeah, I have a lot of gratitude for my mom because very early on, my parents used to say that by the time I was standing in the crib, I would talk about hearing voices and seeing color and energy around people. And my parents were sort of divided by their approach. My mother loved it, was so interested in it and encouraged me to talk about it. And she would go to channels and take me to Lilydale and, you know, was like burying crystals in the yard. My dad was not spiritual at all. And he took me to an eye specialist and to therapy just to make sure that there wasn't something wrong with me. But I genuinely believe that everybody's born with intuition, but we hear people say things like that's your imaginary friend versus a spirit guide, or that's just a wild imagination. And my parents didn't do that. They let me read tarot cards starting at the age of eight. And it was just a open environment for me to explore that side of me. Wow. You started reading tarot when you were eight? I bought a deck of tarot cards when I was eight years old. And and I was obsessed with the afterlife. And I think the reason for that was my older sister, who's eight years older than I am, was diagnosed with cancer at 16. She's a cancer survivor. But the topic of death was sort of within the house that this person could pass, this disease could happen. So I read books that were for kids about the afterlife. And I remember doing a book report in school and everybody came in and they're talking about like their favorite athlete and they're talking about their favorite actor. And you remember when you had to make dioramas with like a shoebox? So I had cotton balls on the bottom of mine and angels floating. And it was my turn to share about my book. And I said, is anyone familiar with the afterlife? And I talk about the light (laughs) at the end of the tunnel. So I was a unique child to say the least. (laughs) But yeah, my first deck of tarot cards I bought when I was eight years old, I was just absolutely fascinated by the occult. That is so cool. All the clues are always in our childhood. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So don't you find that your mom supported that? She understood that. She encouraged that. My father was was a medium. So I uh, genetically have that connection. Cool. And I wanted to ask you this about the color because I I sense, I get color from the angelic realm, but my mm. father, you could say someone's name and he would see a color around them. Me too. And you're the only other person that I've ever heard talk in such detail about that. So do you get, and at first, because I've been doing this a long time and I thought oh is it the colors of the that, that are in their aura but he would get he'd get like teal or he'd get you know a, a gold it, it wasn't the specific 
you know, colors. It wasn't just primary. Yeah. Is, is that the way it works for you as well? It is the same for me. You know, it's interesting. I try to focus on primary colors when I'm teaching people because there's not much wiggle room with primary color so they can really focus on it. But color is so subjective. And once we get deeper into the work, I really ask people to just sort of explore and have fun with it. For me, from the spiritual perspective, just like your father, who sounds incredible, I would hear someone's voice and I would see color. If the subject changes, I see a different color also physically around them as well. So for me, I always just assumed that was the aura. It wasn't until my 30s that people started talking about the fact that I exhibited signs of synesthesia, which is sort of the scientific explanation of it, when two senses overlap in our brain. And we all do this, especially mediums out there. You know, you might be connecting with a client and you smell fresh baked bread, and that's grandma telling you that they're there through the, through the sense of smell or hearing a song or something like that. So our brain interprets messages so many different ways, but for me, it's always been from color. I love that. Thank you. Sure. Would you say that the primary colors have their positive and negative aspects to them, right? Like if you see red around someone, it doesn't necessarily mean they're angry. Right. Yeah. It's, it's So as Americans in particular, we express ourselves using color. We'll see say things like, I'm so mad I could see red or I'm feeling blue or, you know, whatever, green with envy. And so we associate bold emotions with specific colors and specific vibrations. What I try to teach people is that every single color that we have in our, you know, palette has wisdom and a lesson for us. So I'll refer to the shadow side of a color. If you're particularly drawn to a color, let's say red, red is all about the emotional exchange with people. Now, most people in the self-help community just want to focus on the positive aspects of that. So they think love, they think happiness, they think support, which is certainly an element of it. But there's also heavy energies as well. How do we deal with sadness? How do we deal with anger? How do we deal with frustration? Red is all-encompassing when it comes to emotions. And very particular, back to Lilydale, one of the first readings I ever received, first time I'd ever had my aura looked at, I remember the psychic saying, you have a brick, a red brick wall of anger around you. And I did have big emotions as a kid. And she said, as a sensitive person, if you can really manage those, you're going to be able to help a lot of people. But that was a big deal for me. So every color has sort of a light and easier thing to ingest, but then there's also the shadow side as well, which uplifts us and gives us wisdom. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I find that fascinating that we can work with color that way. When you see someone's aura, do you ever see other things in it? Like, yeah. uh, like what, what else do you see? So I probably sound a little wacky if I go deep into everything that I say. I call it cosmic charades. You know, the universe will show an image to me that may mean absolutely nothing to the person that I'm talking to, but it's a reference that I understand. For example, if someone is self-employed, I tend to see Victor Newman from The Young and the Restless, and I'll see like an image in my mind's eye or around them. Now, some people maybe never saw The Young and the Restless, so they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I will see grids, bubbles, lines. I used to see something that I thought was a snake, but they're just like curly cue kind of things. But a lot of times I interpret that as just thought. You know, thought forms are fascinating. And so when someone has a particular thought, if they're excited or frustrated about something, the shape of the aura will begin to change. And so I do my best to interpret the cosmic charades. And I think everybody has their own sort of map or 
information that the universe will present to them. But yeah, it's not just color. Sometimes I'll see the most random of things and try to apply it to the topic at hand. Yeah. So do you feel that everything is held in our auric field? Because a lot of spiritual teachers would say, you can go into past lives, you can go into future lives, you can go into emotions and health and wellness, but it's all held in that. Yeah. To me, the aura is like one-stop shopping. It's one of my favorite things about spiritual work is that it embodies and encompasses everything, which I find really fun. (laughs) I find a lot of students or people that I'm talking to would like it to be a little bit more specific. Um, The idea that it could be that fluid, the idea that it encompasses everything sometimes can be a little bit confusing to people, but absolutely, you know, past lives can come up. The way that I think about it is the aura is like the journal of your life. So there are plans for the future. There's current events going on. There's remnants from the past all at the same time. But it's truly the essence of your being. And we we use words to describe the aura all the time without knowing it. We say things like that person has a good vibe. They've got, I've got chemistry with that person. I, I didn't feel like I was connecting with that person. To me, that's all connecting with energy and the aura. I love that. I absolutely love that because I think that people get so focused on it's just color or it's just, oh, you can raise your, your vibration and extend, extend your aura. But you use from, and I, I love your YouTube channel, by the way, mm-hmm. I am having so much fun with that. And one of the things that I think you tie in beautifully with that is not only reading the auric field, but using your body as a barometer Mm. to connect with. And and that's one of the things um, that I tell a lot of the people is pay attention to how your body reacts. And that's going to give you a really clear bead to spirit. Could you chat about that for a moment? Yeah, well, especially with empaths, which is like my absolute favorite topic, you know, for empaths, our body, our hearts, our emotional structure is like a magnifying glass. So if you are feeling tightness in your shoulder, it may be about the emotions that are in the room. If you suddenly find that you're really doing shallow breathing and you're clenching your jaw, chances are it's because of the energy of the room. And in the past, I used to sort of swallow that and just observe it internally, which doesn't help move energy at all. So very, very often, it just makes me a unique dinner guest, but I can sit down at someone's dining room table. And if it's uncomfortable at the table, I'll just say, I feel awkward right now. And my hips feel tight. And I don't know why, but I need to stand up for a second. But the minute I claim the sensation that I'm feeling in my body, that energy begins to move and it doesn't get stuck from me. So absolutely, you know, the entire time I'm talking, I'm trying to be as conscious of the thoughts, the images, the senses, and the feelings in my body at the same time. And so a lot of empaths will not complain about that, but they see that as a weakness. I do not see that as a weakness. I see it as a really incredible strength, but I have found verbalizing it and expressing it as gently as possible really helps to move the energy so that it doesn't deplete you. That's so important to point out because even though I've been out of the psychic closet for years, I still feel really uncomfortable in front of, you know, my, my normal friends, right. Who are not into all of this stuff, vocalizing that. So that's really important. I think for everyone to hear that it's okay to say the energy feels kind of off in here, or, you know, let's just move this around. I, I love that you said that can empaths also use color 
Okay. So let me just tell you this quick story. Like 10 sure. years ago, I was driving to pick up my kids from school and I was listening to Terry Gross on NPR. Mm, and she was interviewing this historian who was talking about research they had done to cure depression. And that he was talking about this Victorian um, asylum. And he found out that they had painted the inside pink. Baker Miller and pink. They would have the, <laughs> the patients um, meditate like by visualizing puffy pink clouds around them. Yeah. And from what this historian researched, it it looked that it really, really helped. Yeah. And I was thinking that is so cool. So I get my kids from school and we had to run to the mall and get something. And there's this old lady in the next aisle, the next highway lane next to me. She's going like 30 and a 45, which, you know, okay. And there's this giant jacked up pickup truck behind her who is like riding her bumper. Mm. And the lady was getting so scared. I could see an accident coming. So I said to my girls, imagine pink cotton candy around that truck. Perfect. What? They were so little. They were like, okay, mommy. (laughs) So we all did it. And I'm not kidding. The truck backed off and got into the third lane and just nothing happened. It was like he totally chilled out. And ever since then, I try to put colors around people. Yes. I, so, and this is kind of like a taboo thing in the metaphysical world, this idea of you have to ask permission and, you know, you're going to change their life trajectory and all of these things, you know, and feel free to go in the comment section. If you disagree with me, that's fine. But I'm a big believer that if we're sending clear intention to help someone to heal them and prayer and love and all that good stuff, absolutely. So with the vehicle of color, what you did there was absolutely perfect. You're referencing something called Baker Miller pink, which is really fun because there is actual scientific evidence that it lowers blood pressure, that it relaxes people, that it really calms down the emotional needs. From the aura perspective, pink is all about self-care and self-love. If I see pink around someone, they exude this loving, kind, compassionate energy, but they tend to be a little bit hard on themselves, a little bit critical. So if you're seeing someone that's in a dangerous situation, or if you're sending your kids off to school every day, putting them in a pink bubble of light is a great thing to do. And then I love how you change the language to make a kid appropriate. Let's see them around cotton candy. Well, kids smile and laugh at that ideal. It's billowy, it's joyful, it's lovely. So absolutely, I believe that you can do that. And you can do it with free will. You know, if if someone's in pain, I see absolutely nothing wrong. More importantly, I encourage people, especially with where the planet is right now, to send love and visualize colors or sparkling or whatever you want, just to give people a little pick-me-up. But thank you for saying that, because there is always so much about that. You know, you have to ask permission, but which I agree with, but I also think it's just the intent of just sending that positive energy out there. And it can be rejected, right? He could yeah. have been like, no, back 100%. off. hundred percent. The way that I get around it with the wiggle room is I do it higher self to higher self, because I genuinely believe that every single person on the planet has this most divine part of their being, this extension of light, this extension of coming from the creator, this extension of coming from the universe. And I genuinely trust that everyone's higher self knows what to do with energy that's directed their way. So if I'm sending love and light to that person, I know that higher self will direct it wherever it needs to go in that person's life. And then we're doing it from the highest vibration as possible. But I think like, you know, way back in the day when it came to spirituality, it had to be hush, hush. 
So there were more rules and there was more fear of persecution or thinking outside of the box or maybe disagreeing with some of the major organized religions that were becoming more political versus spiritual. And we live in a time now where it is safer to come out of the spiritual closet. It is safer to discuss these things. So the rules are starting to change. There's more wiggle room so we can talk about, you know, what's the best way to love and help and heal the planet? Beautifully said. One of the things, and I, I think it was when you were talking with Colette Baron reed and you both talked so eloquently about how the impact of the pandemic and the energy of the planet right now on empathic people what would be some tips or some suggestions that we could share with our listeners? Because I think so many people are, and I'm not a huge fan of, of the expression, waking, we're awakening, we're awakening. Yeah. Because you know we're just getting more in tune with our own inner knowing and light and making mm. that connection with spirit. Mm. But I think people are, they really need help right now. They need a lifeline. And, I agree. And for each, and, and I, I say this on a lot of shows, so anyone who's listening, forgive me, but I really in my soul believe that this is leading us towards more unity on a global level. I, I, I trust that. I believe that. Yeah. But what can we do as individual empaths to kind of raise our vibration or, or help with this uh, transition? All right. So controversial statement. <laughs> the first thing that I could say is it's so important that we talk about it. One of my concerns in the spiritual and self-help community is that if, when I bring up the pandemic, I'm surprised how often I get negative comments. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear about it right now. And there's this sort of avoidance of the pink elephant in the room. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about it. So the first thing is communication, that there's a lot of energy on the planet right now, and there's a lot of confusion. And especially for empaths, at least this is my experience as an empath, I like to plan, I like consistency, I like to know where I'm going and map things out. And that's not as easy to do right now, which can be sort of challenging for empaths. So the most important thing is to recognize how easy it is for you to stay grounded. And I, I teach empaths, I teach this work all the time. I'm struggling more than I ever have before to be grounded. And at first I was kind of uh, belittling myself a bit about that. But when I take a bird's eye view and I look at what's going on in the planet and I think of my family and my friends and my clients and just strangers I'll see in the store, I start to recognize I'm not the only person right now feeling overwhelmed. So there's unity in that to say, it's been a lot, things are changing, there's a lot of energy on the planet, sometimes I'm not sure how to approach it is a fundamental truth. It's a fundamental rea reality that we're all experiencing. The antidote to that for me is to remind myself of the things at the moment that do make me feel safe and do make me feel connected. And so often it's simple earthly things, exercising, eating well, being close to my dog and my husband, like having a safe space that I'm in control of the energy with aromatherapy and candles and music and, and whatever it is just to ground myself into the world. I would encourage sensitive and empathic people right now to really look at what their grounding techniques are and try to check in with themselves at least two to three times a day. The joy of being an empath is we have this ability to leave our bodies and connect with higher information so, so easily. 
the challenge of being an empath is we have this ability to leave our bodies and connect with higher energy. And sometimes that can be too much. So grounding into the planet, feeling good, connecting with our bodies and the people that we love are so imperative right now. But I agree with you, Denise. One of the things that I find interesting about the pandemic is globally, everyone is going through the same thing. You know, I, I'm lucky right. to work not only in the United States, but all over the world and to listen to families struggling with worrying about their family and their health and their wellness. Very rarely are we challenged by something globally and it keeps repeating itself, right? A variant will come out in South Africa and we'll think, well, I don't know anyone in South Africa. That's so far away. That's, you know, and then two weeks later, it's at your back door. So the universe is saying, you can pretend that we're separate as much as you want. You can hold on to information or how you're managing it on your own as much as you want, but we must unify in order to fix this. And I just have to add this one quick thing that cracked me right the hell up is when you said the lazy way to grounding is eating, oh, like yeah. we'll hold weight. And I thought, oh, I, I thought I'm not grounding. It's not the cookies. It's not. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> but here's the thing. It, it works, right? I mean, it, if, if mm -hmm. you put food in your body, you immediately feel your body. But bathing does the same thing. Getting dressed does the same thing. Going for a walk does the same thing. Putting your hand on a tree and taking a deep breath does the same thing. And so the reason I joke about that is I used to feel like from other bodies of work that it was like this, that if you were intuitive, you'd struggle with your weight and you just had to accept it. And it was this thing. And I thought, well, let's just be honest. It does work. You know, it's one of the tools in the tool belt. My goal is to just not only use that tool. <laughs> I want to ask you kind of a different question. Do you ever have the experience where you feel someone's aura or you see colors in their aura that maybe make you feel this isn't the nicest, best person. Yeah. And yet the persona that they're presenting is super nice and kind and wonderful. Yeah. Does that ever happen to you? And, and what advice to you, can you give to empaths who get conflicting information like that? Well, that's a struggle for me too, because I'm super sensitive to body language. So if I'm in the presence of someone who's smiling and physically presenting kindness and love, but I get a funky feeling in my belly or something feels nervous in my chest, it's, it's a little bit hard for me to separate that. So in that moment, what I try to do is I take notes mentally, or even might even write them down in my journal. Hey, I had a business meeting with this person, but it just didn't feel clear to me. 99.9% .9 of the time, my intuitive hit is more accurate than the body language they were exhibiting. Um, but it's, a lot of times it's just personal. Lots of people may resonate with that person, but it didn't feel right to you. Um, so very rarely is it like, you know, it's never something big like evil or something like that. It's, it's just more like this situation and this person isn't the best selection for me. That's a really good point. Cause I think a lot of empaths get confused where, you know, is this, is this my intuition telling me this, or am I just negative and being in a bad mood right now? So I think writing it down to validate it, I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great suggestion. And some people, you know, not everyone's going to like us and we're not going to like everyone and that's okay. A hundred percent. And then what I have to decipher for myself is, is this an opportunity for me to level up? Is this an opportunity for me to challenge myself? Because as an empath, I'm incredibly shy. Nobody ever believes this. But if I say yes to coming to your house for dinner that day, 
I hope you call and cancel. <laughs> and I'll check my email and then I'll think of 16 reasons to cancel. It's just, it, it, if you see me out and about, it took a lot to make that happen. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll feel a funky energy, but it's my stuff. And this is another controversial statement. As empaths, I think I become seduced by the experience of someone else. They're frustrated, they're challenged, they're, they're having a hard time, but it's a distraction from my own energy. And so many times I have to ask myself, okay, so I'm feeling something funky, but is there a chance that this is an opportunity for me to grow? Is there a chance that this is an opportunity for me to level up and try something different? So yes, sometimes it's the energy of this just isn't the right fit for me, but sometimes it's also the energy of I'm scared and I don't feel good enough and can I do this? And so it's a constant sort of negotiation of what am I going to learn from this experience, even if it's challenging? That is so beautifully expressed because I used to be brutally shy, like painfully Oh, 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 the horror. But I think that so much of it, exactly what you just described, we, we'll say, we'll agree. And then immediately it's that deer in the headlight feeling of, oh no, what have I done? Yeah. Because I think that's another side shoot to this whole isolation thing. For some of us, it's allowed us to really stew in our own juices a little more than we might <laughs> normally and not 100%. want to not want to go out into that world. But I'm going to jump again. I love that you're a science. Like I'm, I have my nerdy side. Like I uh -huh. want the science that explains why I'm developing new neural pathways and synapses are firing when I connect with things. So I think that that's a really important topic because so many people equate being an empath or being an intuitive with being airy fairy woo woo. And, mm. and that's not the case. No. I think when we can back it up with the science, it makes it even that much more rich and, and, Viable. Well, and especially we were talking earlier about coming out of the spiritual closet and feeling sort of nervous about explaining what we're feeling and seeing. And if you're in an environment with people who are not connected to the spiritual or metaphysical world, you're empowering yourself by having some scientific proof connected to it. I mean, when people say, I don't believe in auras, I can say there are literally studies that show that the body does indeed glow. Like it, it is literally in textbooks. This is taught in universities like this does exist. So there are so many different ways that we can back it up. And I find for spiritual people, it's important to have those tools to become sort of a, a bridge between worlds. And, you know, if I'm on a traditional, let's say, radio or television show, it's morning news or something like that, I can't assume that the entire audience says familiar with chakras or is familiar with meditation and astral projection and all those terms that come so naturally to us. So I really like to think of different ways to express that and then to look for ways in the traditional world that it exists to sort of validate our experience. Because even as an intuitive, I'm a pretty big skeptic. <laughs> if there's a new channel out there, I'm like, really? I, I, so I, I have that moment of kind of wanting it to be proven as well. And I think that's safe. So if you're an empath, Gather your tools, empower yourself to have some fundamental things that you can share with your friends and family that may not make them 100% agree with you, but certainly make them think, hmm, there must be something to that. Yeah, or, or at least give you the, the credence and the backing you need. Because I know sometimes if I just, if I believe something and I know I've backed it up with science and research, then when I do vocalize my truth, 
my voice doesn't shake or get wobbly and I don't lose my train of thought and my whatever. But I'll tell you, coming out of the spiritual closet type thread of topic, one thing that I've learned in the last several years is I just don't debate that stuff anymore. Same. You know what I mean? I just, okay, you don't want to believe in auras. You do you. That's absolutely fine with me. And I find that to be super peaceful, you know, because everyone's going to come to their own truth the way they do. Well, it's such a lesson in detachment too, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just our truth that matters. I mean, my husband jokes that he can tell how safe I feel based on how I answer the question, what do you do for a living? If I'm uncomfortable, I just say I'm an author. If I'm a little bit uncomfortable, I say a life coach. And if I'm totally comfortable, I say I'm a psychic. (laughs) So it depends on the environment. So we all have moments. But in that moment, every time somebody asks you that question or about your belief system, it's just that moment of connecting to self-love. It's none of my business what anybody else thinks of me. We've all heard of that. And, you know, I'm a man married to a man. We've got a dog with one eye. I see colors around people. I've got lots of things in my life that make me unique and interesting to other people. <laughs> you know, I always um, call myself weird. I always say like, you know, here's here's my freak flag. I'm flying and I'm weird. I'm different. And, and that's fine. And on my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, we were doing a show on the history of magic. Mm. And I read that the definition of weird, W-I-R-D, the Anglo-Saxon definition, means that which is becoming. Mm, I love that. I know. And I was like, oh, I'm becoming. I love that. I am weird. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Weird is always a compliment. (laughs) Yeah. We know we can visualize. We know we can sense the color and aura. We know we can use it. What would be some other tools that we can use? Like certain days you'll, you'll get up and say, Ooh, I need to wear blue today. I have, Mm. and I used to work, I was a special ed teacher for years, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I would notice the sensitive kids or the sensitive people would be wearing that same shade of blue. Mm. So people are tapping into that collective energy to pull that in. So other than paying attention to what you're being drawn to, what would be some other tools that that our listeners could use as empaths with color to really, because I, I do think color and music are healers. They're, they're healing modalities that we can tap into Agreed. and they're free. Yeah. So, well, a great color for empaths is orange. Orange is one of my favorite colors. It's considered the color of balance and perception. It's the combination of psychology and spirituality that we sort of need both. We need to check in with our hearts. We also need to check in with our souls, but it just really helps an empath find their balance. Empaths tend to live in extremes. We're either wide open and feeling everything on the block or in the airport, or we're completely shut down and we're not talking to everybody, anybody and we've cut ourselves off. So when we invoke orange into our life, it's the memory that we need to be in a balanced state of mind, a balanced state of consciousness. When it comes to working with color energy, people also love to tell me the colors that they really like, which is great. But I'd also love to know the colors that you dislike and what's the lesson there for you. Um, If I wear red, which makes me very uncomfortable, (laughs) I get complimented all the time when I wear red. But when you're wearing red, it's very visual, it's vulnerable, you're seen, it's your heart, it's your emotion, it's about trust, it's that energy exchange. So I really feel that when I wear red. So if there's a color that makes you uncomfortable, try to invite it into your life. It can be as simple as starting with socks or buying that color of flower and putting it in your kitchen and just seeing what kind of energy it moves for you. But there will be more wisdom from a color that makes you uncomfortable than there will be from your favorite color. 
That is so fascinating. I don't like wearing red either. I don't think it's an introvert's color. No, not at all. Yeah. It, you know, because it you, does, it brings attention to you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm much comfortable in earth tones, which, you know, as the guy that works and writes about color really disappoints people. <laughs> and if I'm on stage, I'm typically using earth tones because as an empath, you know, there's that moment if you're a professional healer where, you know, if I'm speaking for two hours, there's only so many people I can get to. And I start to feel that pull of, am I going to get picked? Is he going to come to me? And as a people pleaser, that can just feel like a tidal wave. So a lot of times earth tones are really important for me to say, stay grounded in myself and in my being, um, which may not be the best, you know, it's not the prettiest on the outside, but it really helps me ground as opposed to wearing a, a bold color like red. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I wanted to ask you um, about your year in color, your your coaching program. Can you tell people about that? Yeah, so I give my husband 100% credit for this. This is David, uh, who it was his idea. And he thought, what if we did a monthly, we meet every first Monday of the month where we pick a color. This year we're doing two colors. We're teaching people about aura layering. But the idea would be every first Monday of the month, we sort of set our intention and reconnect to ourselves. Because I certainly come into the first part of a year, you know, gung-ho. And if I got all these things that I want to do, what I'm going to change the world, I'm going to change my life. And then by, you know, February 2nd, I've forgotten all of those things. So why can't we monthly sort of check in with each other? And it's a simple thing where we choose a color or colors that we're working with that we activate. We, we meet up in a Facebook group to sort of share with it. And it's just such a lovely, fun group of people. And everybody's taking colors of where it manifests in their life. But it's been a really lovely program. And it's just a way to tie spirituality, wellness, and self-help throughout the entire year versus you know, January being the, the purest time of your life, how can we sort of tie it through the entire year? And keep that sense of community and connection. Yeah, which is so, 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 so important right now. You know, it's interesting because we're all isolating or being more cautious in some way right now. I mean, I'm a big believer in taking calculated risks for your own emotional wellness. I think that's important. I certainly don't want to live in a bunker for the rest of my life. But at the same time, there are moments that I really yearn for that connection. We just had friends in town for the weekend with their kids. And on Saturday, I could feel my heart like a sponge just soaking this up because I hadn't had that in a long time. And it felt so good. And it was so necessary, just playing cards and being silly and cooking and just all of those wonderful things that we as human and spiritual beings need and learning. You know, I've taken more online workshops as a participant than I ever have in my life. And the cool thing now is through Zoom, you could take a workshop from someone in Germany or someone in Europe if you wanted to. So there are moments of intimacy and connection. And it's really important for spiritual people out there, especially if you're a practitioner, to make sure that you are taking care of yourself as well. And to be a participant, you know, I love to sit in the audience and let somebody else speak or listen to another person's podcast or program to be the receiver and not just always the giver of energy is really important for empaths. Excellent reminder, needed reminder. Yeah. And don't you find that being a participant, it sometimes I, I love to, to learn and, and I am absolutely on fire with the fact that I can work with British mediums. I can work with people all over the world and, yeah. and be 
like I'm in the room. But I, I, I find that sometimes after those, I might not have gotten a whole lot of knowledge from it, but I got to spend time with people like me. Yeah. And that in itself can be so, so valuable as empaths to have someone that we don't have to explain that we, we, you know, see colors or, or taste things that aren't there or know things about people that, and I think that, that comfort, it not only expands our, our sense of self and well-being, but it allows us to be more available for other people as well. Absolutely. It helps me sort of recharge. It helps that, that sense of community, the vocabulary, the language is already there. People understand it. And then as a practitioner, you know, and I do this as an empath, anytime I create a program or if I have a new product or something like that, I always like to put myself in the position of the consumer. So if I have a new program, I go sign up with my credit card and I click pay to see what that feels like. When my last book comes out, I go to the bookstore, I try to find it, I carry it up to the counter, I pay for it. I remember thinking, well, that's expensive. And then I think for a second, like, well, that's what somebody else thinks. So, So I want to know what it's like to be on both sides of the experience. You know, having someone cook for you and then helping them clean. You know, if your spouse is great at gardening, but you're not into it, go get in the soil for a minute. See what it feels like. What What's coming to them from that that you could learn from? If you have a friend that loves a kind of music that you're not familiar with, go listen to that music with them and see what they're getting from it. When we sort of share in somebody else's experience, it's not only learning for us, but it's a healing tool as well. Love that. Absolutely love that. And it goes back to what you were saying about stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, bring in the color that might not be your favorite, because that's the teacher that you need right now. A hundred percent. To get out of that comfort and go get your hands in the dirt or whatever it might be for you. Maybe for some of us, it would be going into a public setting, just saying. Yeah, Um, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) So, so, okay. I just have to ask real quick because I love animals. Samantha loves animals. Do you use color around your one-eyed dog? Yeah, of course. Everything has energy. Everything has a vibration. Everything has a soul seed. Personal opinion. Mm. Someone else may disagree with that. So, but, okay, this is just, I have to know, do you use clothes on the dog? Do you give like color with the clothes on the dog? That's funny. I never have consciously selected only because he hates sweaters, even though he's cold (laughs) and I know it makes him feel better. He really, really resists them. But I certainly use it in moments where I can tell that he's anxious and he's overwhelmed. And I don't know if you have had this experience, but the pandemic has definitely shifted my dog's behavior. We used to travel quite a bit. So he was used to going to the house where he would stay and being around other dogs. And he just doesn't get that anymore. I mean, we haven't traveled the way we used to in, in, in you know, it's almost two years now. And so his separation anxiety has come back. And so we definitely try to visualize, you know, soft lighting in the house. His collar is red specifically because we want that emotional exchange and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, I definitely will use color and energy with him. But it's also interesting to think, going back to all having this experience, that sometimes I'll, I'll be hard on myself and think, oh, you should be over this. Why are you nervous to do something? Or like New Year's Eve. I was anxious. We had a group of people getting together for dinner. I went, but I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. And one person couldn't come because they tested positive and all that stuff. And so to see that my dog is going through it, you know, we've had our dog for 13 years. He's completely trained to go outside to go to the bathroom. And this past year, he's reverted to when we're out. 
he tends to go in the house and I think he's trying to say like, I'm overwhelmed. So it's even affecting our dogs. Like it's even affecting our pets, which is just a reminder that we have to be so kind with ourselves right now. And you brought up an interesting point for some people that might be going out, you know, in the beginning, I had to negotiate when I was going to go to the grocery store. I would go early in the morning when it was a little bit lighter in traffic and, and try to make these minor adjustments to just get back to the fundamental basics of living. And if anybody listening to this right now is feeling any of that on any level, it is okay. You're allowed to feel raw right now. You're allowed to feel confused, but find your wiggle room, you know, find something where you can slightly step out of your comfort zone. And you know, you know, when you're doing it right, because you feel it in your belly, it still feels uncomfortable, but your brain says, I can manage this. It's how I feel with heights. I love a good view, but my belly will go, but I want I still want to see that view. I still want to have that experience. So the goal is that you want to feel uncomfortable, not paralyzingly so, but you want to feel uncomfortable to move energy. It's really important. You keep talking about that moving energy, which I think is really crucial for all of us right now. Some of my favorite ways to move energy would be dancing, exercising, walking, uh, but I also like to do guided imagery. Are, are there any other ways that you like to move energy? That I've I'm missed. I'm, I'm glad you noticed the movement of energy. So I'm I'm super cautious about words that I use to describe an aura because I hear people say things like, you've got a block, a crack, a hole. Those are really hard things. You know, and, and I, I try to remember like I'm I'm reading for someone who's maybe not familiar with this at all. And if they leave the session hearing that they've got blocked energy and a crack in their aura, their brain is going to obsess on that. So I might say things like, I'm feeling concentrated energy in the chest. Let's do some breathing to move energy. Let's do a visualization to move energy because I think it's important. And I agree with you. Exercise is like the universe's joke with me is the best way for me to move energy. I dislike it. I resist it. I did it this morning before this, this interview to make sure that I was moving energy and I was clear, but I get so much information from exercise. Sometimes it's frustrating, <laughs> but it really moves energy. Do you remember Osho or Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, the guru? Yes. I used to follow him when I was a teenager and I was a very overweight kid and was not into exercise at all, but dynamic meditation, which is a very move. And he's got some problems just to be clear. I'm not on board with everything but he is interesting and watch the documentary because it's fascinating. But um, that meditation is very physical and it taught me how to move my body and move energy at the same time. My second favorite way, and it's the most boring, <laughs> but my favorite way to move energy is with breath. And it's so important for empaths because the minute we feel big emotion, we hold our breath. And that's when you start to shake that's when you start to feel uncomfortable. So I'm consciously moving energy with my breath. The deeper the breath and, and you know, my body will even expand and contract with the breathing. But I think it's so important. Music, aromatherapy, all of the, I'm also a sixth life path. So the surroundings are super important to me. But all of those forms of moving energy are really important for sensitive people. Breath is so important. And, you know, you're right. I, I resist that too. I try to do the alternate nostril breathing um, I go to yoga classes at my gym a couple of times a week. And every time I focus on my breath, I'm so amazed 
at how much I'm holding. Me too. You know, I don't know if you deal with this as a man, but as a woman, like we're always holding stuff in, you know, yeah. like squeeze your glutes, hold your core. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> then I start breathing and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm holding that. That's tension. That's not just muscle work. Yeah. And so I do think that's really, really important. And that the alternate nostril breathing, I think is the best one that I've, that I've experienced. The, the big sort of challenge for me with breath was a little over two years ago, my mother was, well, so it was four years ago, was diagnosed with cancer and I'm teaching, I'm promoting a book. I, I, my mother's dying at the same time. And I started getting vertigo. And at first I thought there was something wrong with me. And I went to a doctor just to make sure that everything was okay. And I kept going and going and going. And then I went to like a balance specialist. And finally they said, you're just anxious. And I was like, but I don't feel like I'm anxious at all, but I would have tingling in my lips and you know, getting through the day. And they started pointing out my breath. And what I realized is that as an empath, I will hustle for anyone I love. I will be there for a client. I will be on sprinting marathon energy, but I wasn't even pausing to breathe for myself. I wasn't even pausing to say, hey, this is a lot right now. I can do it. We can all do big things. We can all go through big things. But the simple act of giving myself permission to stop for a moment mid-conversation in a session, mid-conversation with someone that I love, and placing my hand over my heart and taking a deep breath, I had sort of forgotten that. And so it's something I now constantly try to remind myself of. Take a deep breath, be in your body. You can still be there for someone else, but breath is so important to manage our own energy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is such a really important reminder. I had a listener friend send me uh, silk pillowcases for mm -hmm. a Christmas gift. And I was so excited. And every night that I lay my head on these beautiful silk pillowcases, I think of her beautiful card where she just said, you know, I hope you use these as a reminder to always take care of yourself. Yeah. And I think so we important. need those, those visuals sometimes, yeah. you know, and especially for women, I mean, if your body is designed to give life to someone else, to literally nourish someone else, it's like we're programmed to think that we have to serve and give energy first. And we have to take care of ourselves. Like it's so, so, so important. And I'm amazed how many spiritual people struggle with that. And so setting the energy, taking care of yourself. My big thing I tell people is I'm, I'm always telling people I have another appointment during the day. It's no one's business that that appointment is for me, but somehow it's easier for me just to say, well, I've got another appointment, you know, and that could be a bath. That could be a walk. That could be cooking dinner, but I have to schedule, literally, I write it into my schedule that this is my time. And what's amazing to me is how often the universe gently tests me on those boundaries. You know, here's an opportunity for you to cancel that appointment with yourself. Here's an opportunity for you to forget to breathe. Here's an opportunity to sort of take you away from yourself. And I have to come back to that self-care. So what a lovely gift, special pillowcases just for you, right? The moment you wake up, you're touching that. The moment you go to sleep and resting, recharge, you're touching that. That's such a wonderful reminder. Yeah. It's great to have that visual. It's helped me a lot. I do that too. I schedule in my me time. Otherwise I won't have it. Me too. And what I say to people is if you schedule as your me time and you're canceling, we really want to look at why you're not showing up for yourself. You know, when I used to do coaching packages with people, 
at the end of the package, if they were meeting me every Tuesday at two o'clock, I would say next Tuesday at two o'clock, I want you to have the exact same meeting with yourself. I won't be there, but you can do the same thing. Assess the energy. How do you feel? Check out your goals. But you're showing up for a session with me because you invested money in it and you want to be on time. But can you just show up for yourself with investing energy and intention? It's a completely different approach. Yeah, great point. I talk to myself. I talk to the dog. We have full conversation. And someone called me and they said, so can you meet me and do this? And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm scheduled to talk with a friend of mine. I didn't say it was going for a walk in the woods by myself with the right. dog, but if I'm going with business. a friend. Yeah. Self-care here. Yeah. Could could you uh, on January 31st is your aura lab coming Yes, up? January 30th. 30th. Okay. Yeah. Could you share about that please cuz it's very very exciting. Yeah, so a lot of my programs I teach and you can watch the replay afterwards but not with the aura lab. And the reason with the aura lab is we come together via Zoom and I teach fundamental basics of how to tune into people's energy and we do breakaway rooms where you practice feeling and reading the energy of another person and then we come back together and we share. So we don't record it because pretty intimate stuff and intimate details of participants' life come up. And I want it to be a safe space for us to share and sort of empower each other. And then I teach you, or we will sort of dissect what you felt, what you saw, what you heard, whatever it is, and we go through the energy. And it's a really, really fun day. I used to do these in person for years, and now we started doing them on Zoom. And we've just received some of the most lovely, lovely feedback. It's a safe environment for people to practice with energy. It's a safe environment for people to sharpen their skills. But also, it's a safe environment for you to see how your energy is perceived. Some people in their mind feel like they're in their power, feel like they're in their strength, their vision is so clear, but it isn't actually being communicated clearly on the planet. And maybe that's why you haven't reached the goal or things feel a little bit slower, it's not moving as quickly. So even if you get a reading from someone and you think, wow, that doesn't feel like me at all, if you hear it three times that day, maybe we could adjust the dial. You know, I used to speak way too quickly and, and people would point that out and I'd get defensive and oh, you just need to catch up. And then I think, no, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to think about what that person said. And maybe I do speak too quickly. And how could I integrate my energy more? And how could I deliver it differently? And so it's about reading the energy of somebody else, but it's also about how your energy is perceived, because this is the beauty of working with the aura. It's not like astrology, your chart is the same. It's not like numerology, your, your, your numbers are the same. Your aura is ever changing and you can change it based on the environment. You can be more bold if you need to be more bold. You can call on a color to be more empathic if you need to be more empathic. You can call on a color to be more of a leader, more introspective, whatever it is, we can change our energy according to the situation. And that's the entire part of the aura lab is to play for that for a day. Thank you. That's fascinating. And I, I think a lot of people are hesitant to do that type of work through a Zoom call, through an online class, but it's absolutely amazing. And it casts a wider net to connect with people you may never encounter. You know, I actually, again, goes back to what we're talking about. Yeah, I actually prefer it. You know, if I'm going to do a private session, I prefer to be on the phone because I'm not influenced by the background. If I'm about to say something spicy and someone raises their eyebrow, the people pleaser in me thinks, oh boy. So if I'm in person with someone, I tend to look up away from them because I, I just don't, I'm human. So I'm going to notice body language or your response. 
the more neutral a palate, and, and that's why I like the Aura Lab is we want you to be paired with a stranger. The less you know about that person, the easier it is to realize, oh, I'm really connecting on energy. I know nothing about this individual. That is so powerful and profound. And it, and I think people walk away from those breakout sessions going every time when, when Denise and I do our mediumship classes, people will always say, I didn't know I had that in me. I didn't know yeah. I could do that. Don't you love that? Moment? Oh, it's the best. It's, it's so cool. Best. Yeah. Cause I, I'm a, I do not like when psychics are like, it's a gift and da, 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 da. everybody can do this. And if I really bring it down to like the fundamental basic, when you have that aha moment of I connected with someone's departed loved one, or I saw an aura, or I, I, I saw a clairvoyant image and, I, and it was accurate, we realize that energy does exist. And then if energy exists, there's a reason we are all here. It's easy when things go smoothly. Oh, I met the life partner of my dreams. This was meant to be wonderful. I got the job of my dreams. Great. But every person has that moment where there's a hiccup or a loss or a challenge. And we think, what is the point of all of this? When you see that energy exists, when you see that it's, it, it literally materializes and will manifest in your life, for me, I then realized there's a bigger picture to everything. Even if it's a challenge, there's wisdom for me. So when I see that twinkle in someone's eye that they had a spiritual experience, I'm so excited for them because it's the door opening up to thousands of incredible experiences and how to manage things that are hard because being on the planet can be challenging. And that's something we're all going to experience and that's okay. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to state it. And I, and I love, I just want to remind people it's not being recorded. And to me, that kind of makes it an even safer space. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that means, and so a lot of people say, well, if I can't be there that day, I'm like, you can't be there that day. You're not a part of it that day. <laughs> and so it's right. just what make it. And then I get to little, get a little saucy because we're not recording it and I can give you secrets on you know, <laughs> my, my opinion on some things. And we just don't worry about how people are going to respond because who's there's that day. That's the community and that's the bubble that we create. That's fantastic. Okay. So they just need to go to your website, dougalfraser.com and they can sign up right there. Yeah. Um, if you scroll down, there's a section for the Aura Lab. Okay, perfect. We'll put links for that in the show notes and we'll also link you up for that on our Facebook page as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's just such a treat to get to see you and talk to you after we've been just following your career for so many years. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you for everything. And thank you for what you do. I mean, I love that you're giving an environment for people to learn about their empathy and to learn about their intuition and keep doing all the beautiful work that you do. And it was an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. And everybody, please check out his books. Again, we'll put all the information I'll, I'll put pictures of the books on the Facebook page and everything. So you'll have all of that information there. Please remember as always to show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.